0: And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, Not all of you are clean.
1: So we, we come to celebrate and, and simply to remember uh, mm-hmm. Palm Sunday. And as Chris said a moment ago, uh, you know, this, this basically what we enter into is on Palm Sunday was, was Jesus arriving into Jerusalem. And uh, what, as he was arriving on the back of a donkey... People were celebrating him, and they were putting these palm branches down. and And what it what it marks is the final week before the cross. and And the story of the cross changes everything. And now, part of this week, which will lead us into Good Friday, is centered around uh, this this meal that Jesus shares with his disciples in fact the, the Gospel of John gives us really the the most um, I, I guess comprehensive uh, part of, of what happened in that upper room during the Last Supper and and John points out as uh, Cindy read this this beautiful moment where Jesus serves and shows the full extent of his love to 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 his disciples, at least the fullest extent that he could show before the cross, and and this week I was uh, a friend of mine shared an article with me that came from uh, the website Desiring God, and and the author John Bloom uh, brought to focus not only this scene but. Some things in my own spirit that I've been trying to work through uh, with, with God. And, and I thought what I would do is I would just simply read this article to you. Um, and pray that it will be some help to you. And then we'll, we'll progress and we'll take communion together as we stop and remember. But, but the article is titled, You Don't Need to Understand Now. Jesus spoke many profound and, and important words to his disciples the night before his crucifixion, but, but there's one statement we might easily pass over because of the context in which he made it. Yet it is loaded with personal meaning for each of us who follows him. Dylan, if you don't mind, bring up bring up verse seven there. It says, what I am doing, Jesus says, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. In that one sentence, Jesus captures a profound reality that is our frequent and to some extent continual experience as Christians. Not understanding what God is doing or not doing and why. That it's it's crucial that we grasp uh, the wider implications of what Jesus said here. For for if we do, it will help each of us immensely during the times we wonder why our good shepherd is leading us down such confusing and such painful paths. We often do not know what God is doing now. and, And the crucial truth is we don't need to know what God is doing now to follow him in faith. During that last supper, Jesus did something strange. He, he removed his outer garment, he tied a towel around his waist, and he grabbed a, a basin of water and, and proceeded to wash each disciple's feet. Now, I doubt that this hits any of us with the force that it did the disciples, since the cultural moors of that region and time are so distant and so foreign to us. But But to the disciples, this felt more than strange, it felt disorientingly inappropriate and it sure did to Peter all his life he had he had understood that washing someone else's feet was about as demeaning a task as anyone could perform, a, a task that was fit only for slaves and, and if there was no slaves then only for children and, and it would have been disgraceful for men of honor so as he watched Jesus the most honored person in the world, humbling himself by taking the form of a common slave, washing off with his own holy hands, God only knew what uncleanness clung to those feet. He felt indignant. This was completely backward. If anything, Peter should be on his knees, washing the Lord's feet. And and when Jesus got to Peter, the, the earnest disciple pulled his feet back and asked, Lord, do you wash My feet? And Jesus looked at Peter and with patient kindness replied, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And there it is. A massive principle for every Christian's life of faith. Indeed, a summary of a motive woven throughout scripture from beginning to end and it's captured in a simple reply to a confused disciples question that, that Peter in not understanding why Je- what Jesus or why Jesus was doing what he was doing at that moment is in very good company because redemptive history recounts story after story of saints finding themselves in, uh, in, in this perplexing position being forced to trust God to make sense of it later think of genesis chapter 22 as abraham was having waited so long for isaac only to be instructed by god to offer the boy as a sacrifice think of genesis 32 as jacob's wrestling with god and being lamed in the hip just before he was to meet Esau. Think of Genesis thirty seven through forty one as as Joseph's wondering what God was doing as his young adulthood wasted away in an Egyptian prison. Think of Exodus chapters three and four as as Moses not understanding why God would choose him to lead Israel out of Egypt. Think of Judges 7 as Gideon being given far more than he could possibly handle. Think of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 as Jehoshaphat being instructed to send a choir as his military vanguard against an overwhelming foe. Think of Nehemiah chapter 4 as Nehemiah having to deal with so many seemingly unnecessary adversary adversities and obstacles and inefficiencies that slow down the work in rebuilding jerusalem's walls think of matthew chapter 1 and 2 as as joseph is trying to navigate so many unforeseen confusing detours in just those first few months or first few years of jesus's life Think of John chapter nine as, as the man who was born blind, who did not know until about midlife what the purposes God could possibly have in his suffering. Think of of John chapter eleven as, as Martha and Mary's grief-laced bewilderment over why Jesus didn't come heal Lazarus. And of course, that's just a just a small sample, not, not understanding what God is doing now and, and having to wait uh, till later to understand is the experience uh, to, to greater or lesser degrees of every saint in every age, whether later means in a few minutes as it did for Peter during that last supper or in the age to come as it did for his fellow disciple James who, who wasn't delivered from execution in Acts chapter 12. That it's a necessary and it's a humbling part of what it means for us to walk by faith and not by sight. Being content to, to not understand now doesn't come naturally to us. And it surely didn't for, for Peter. That, that he found Jesus' reply perplexing and, and patience not being one of his strong suits. He didn't wish to wait till later to understand, so he declared. You shall never wash my feet. And it seems to me that that Peter simply didn't want to dishonor the Lord. And this may have been well intended, but it was wrong-headed. In responding this way, Peter actually became guilty of what he was trying to avoid, being dishonoring Jesus. For for the great dishonor wasn't Peter allowing Jesus to wash his feet, it was Peter. Peter's not trusting what Jesus said, and, and this is a crucial point for us to note, that we are never on more dangerous ground than when we believe we understand better than God. And I think Jesus fully discerned Peter's well-intended motive, but he also discern the danger in peter's wrong-headed overly self-confident tendency to trust in his own understanding which is why jesus's response was so serious because it shocked peter to his core if i do not watch you you have no share with me no share with me distrust in this meant exclusion and and Peter got the point immediately and repented by exclaiming, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head and all of it. And, and, and what was Jesus' point? It's, it's Peter, you must trust me. You, you must live by the ancient proverb and trust what I say with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding as Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 tells us. The only way you as a branch will abide and be fruitful in this vine is if you believe my word, as John chapter 15 tells us. If you insist that you must understand now before you trust me, you'll be like a branch that's broken off and you will simply wither and you will die. And and many of the experiences that confound us as we follow Jesus feel far more painful and confusing than foot washing. Peter would would sympathize. Mo- most of his confounding experiences were far more painful and confusing than that, too. Just think of what what desolation was approaching for Peter in the hours following this brief mealtime interchange. Sometimes it's it's lessons we learn in less extreme moments that stand in clearest relief and help steady us during the most extreme ones plain fact is, we often don't know what God is doing now. And the crucial truth is, we don't need to know what God is doing now to follow him in faith. That that God has his reasons for concealing his purposes. Now, sometimes it has to do with his timing, as it did for Peter, and sometimes... Because his ways and his thoughts are so beyond ours, as, as Isaiah fifty five tells us, it's simply God's mercy toward us to withhold knowledge too heavy for us to bear. We we don't need to understand God's purposes now. What we need to do is trust God's purposes now. For it is it is through our trust, not our understanding, that God will direct us all along confusing paths. And we can trust Him that later, when the time is right in the near or the distant future, He will give us all the understanding that we need. Now, if you haven't read ahead or if you don't know what happens next, This confusing scene of Jesus washing his disciples' feet is about to pale in comparison to the chaos that is about to erupt in their life, in the disciples' lives. In fact, there, there'll be much more in the coming days, which which I wonder if they will hear Jesus' words echo from from John 3, uh, 13, 7. In a matter of hours in this scene, in a matter of hours, their Lord is going to be arrested and they're going to scatter. Uh, when, when the sun rises, Jesus will be sentenced. And then eventually he becomes, he gets crucified. And, and in a matter of days, darkness will seem to have won the day. Then as we gather, as we remember and celebrate next week, that on Easter Sunday, Jesus will rise again. And before they know it, they're going to be visited in a locked upper room by the one that they believe is gone forever. Then about a month later, Jesus will ascend and He will... Take his proper place with our Heavenly Father. And the next adventures with them and God will, will take place. And you can just read the book of Acts to see the continuing adventures of, of these disciples. And I think throughout all of this, the words, What I am doing, you do not understand now. But afterwards you will understand. I think they have a fitting place in the developments and the circumstances of their lives. And I think that verse has a very fitting place in our hearts today. And so here's what we do today. We, we stop, we remember the role Jesus serves as to why afterward we will understand is possible. And how it's, it's possible in all the mysteries and all the struggles and all the movements in our lives as we adventure with God. Through Jesus, we are given access to the Father, which sin destroyed, and we are sealed. We are secured by the presence of the Holy Spirit, assuring us that we will never be separated. We will never be separated from the Father again. So each Palm Sunday, we we stop and we remember... The price that was paid. And we do that together as the saints of God. As the children of God. So there's, there's two components. That we have uh, the body that's represented by bread. And we get this from the Last Supper. Jesus takes some bread and he breaks it and he says... This is my body of the covenant, taken, taken, eat. So, what I encourage you to do on your um, uh, communion cup on the on the go, um, that you would tear away that top layer, that top film, and and there's a little wafer there. a crackling fire I think some of y'all are opening like two or three this isn't lunch just communion here's what we remember that sin destroyed everything that sin puts us At odds and in hostility with God. But because of his great love for us, because he chooses to love us, he made a way when there was not a way. That he sends his son to be the ultimate sacrifice, to be the perfect high priest to serve as our Lord whose name is above all names. But this starts with his body that is broken on our behalf. So all we do here is we stop and we acknowledge that we in our own strength could not restore what was broken. So Father, we thank you For your great love. We thank you that you care for us. We stop here and we remember the body that was broken and bruised. We think of the body that was spit upon, that was whipped. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes. We are healed. So, Father we stop, we remember and we partake. We may partake the bread. The second component is the blood that's represented with juice. Because without the spilling of blood, there is no remission for sins. You can go all the way back into the Old Testament as God gives us a placeholder for what Jesus would accomplish. So what we do is we stop and we remember that there is a great price to be paid for our salvation. Right? I mean... to rescue a lot of people, we would do a lot of things, but there's nothing more extreme or significant than a willingness to lay your life down for another. And this is what Jesus does for us. He reminds us, make no mistake, that 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 nobody's taken my life from me. I, I lay it down as a ransom for many, and then I have the ability to take it back up again, which again, people, when he said that, people didn't get it. They thought it was crazy. So he says, I give, I give this to you. I pour myself out, which is why it's so significant as Christians that that we would remember that. We would never take that for granted because the rest of our life is just simply a response to that. It's a continual pouring ourselves out for the glory of Jesus because he poured himself out for us. So we stop and we remember. Father, thank you for setting a standard of holiness that is so pure that we can't buy it and we can't earn it with our good intentions. Thank you for for not playing down to our sinful level but but revealing to us in your word what holiness is and what it looks like and And Father, I pray for for our repentant hearts. That that the church would rise up and realize that that the answer to all of our problems in this world isn't, isn't in our government, isn't in our entertainment, but it's in our holiness. It's in our pursuit of you. Father, I pray you would awaken us. That you would move. In us and through us and around us that that we would know what it looks like to be a people of your own possession And I pray that we would never never separate ourselves from the blood of Jesus Christ That it is his atoning work That brings us purpose Father, we thank you again for his willingness to endure the shame of the cross. That he would look through that pain and he would look through that sorrow. He would see you as you rescue us. So, Father, we stop. we partake.
2: Draw me close to
3: Nothing else. you mm-hmm.
2: Father, we ask that you are near to us this week. Week to be able to honor you in what this week means, your arrival in the Jerusalem, your healing hands, the Last Supper, your rest, your crucifixion. Resurrection. Father, in your ascension, your defeat of death and what that means for every heart here. We love you. You son's beautiful in the holy name and all God's people said, amen. You guys are dismissed. I hope you have a blessed holy